What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. J.J. Cooper, Josh Norris here, another Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Jeff is out this week, so we're bringing the uh, J.J. and the Bear back together to to do our, our normal midweek prospect podcast. We had a hot sheet yesterday. You may have noticed. I hope you noticed. Uh, and we had on that, that A's right-hander, Mason Miller, is our number one on the hot sheet this week. Well-timed because the A's... I think actually the news broke during my hot sheet chat uh, that Miller is headed to the majors. We'll make his next start for Oakland and they expect to have him stay in the rotation. So we're going to talk a little bit about some prospects who've been notable for good or bad at the start of the season. And we're going to start it with Mason Miller because Mason Miller started the season in double a made one start there. They looked at it and said, yeah, you shouldn't be a double a. They sent him to triple a, which Las Vegas Versus Salt Lake. That's a good Salt Lake lineup. And also, as you may notice, Las Vegas, Salt Lake, neither of those places are good places to pitch. They're great places to hit. But if you don't let anyone actually make contact with the ball, it doesn't really matter. And Mason Miller, with a very fastball-heavy approach, up to 102, basically sat 100, had more, uh, had 2,300 mile-an-hour pitches in that Basically dominated five innings. The only batter who reached against Mason Miller reached because he struck him out. Wild pitch reaches first base. And the the thing that stands out, Josh, you saw him obviously also uh, in the AFL, I believe, which was kind of the the start of the Mason Miller experience. He was a, you know, a starter at Garner-Webb, but barely pitched after he signed in 21 missed most of 22 the regular season because of a shoulder injury and then came out in the fall league and looked great. But he's taken another step forward here because he's showing he can sustain that kind of stuff for five innings. But I, I obviously the first thing I'll start with Josh is, is the A's could use the help in the rotation. So this is uh Kind of exciting, both from a prospect standpoint, but also from a uh, we're we're in some desperate straits here in the A's rotation. Yeah, the rotation of Kyle Muller, James Caprillion, J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, uh, and Fujinami is not cutting it to say the least. Um, and he's a guy who, I mean, it's one thing when they say a guy's coming up to make his debut, where you might send him back down. I think they they announced yesterday that he's coming up and he's staying there, which kind of tells you what they think about the rest of their rotation. You know, it's he's he's a, a, a darn good pitcher. I think he's on <laughs> wink wink the precipice of the top 100, um, and he's got some really nasty stuff. And I remember you know Mark Chirelli's report uh, on him in our handbook. There was a line that really stuck out to me was that. You know, he has this fastball, this slider, but he didn't all year last year use his cutter, which I believe he claims is his best pitch. And I said, okay, well, if he's really that good without the cutter and he's going to add it this year, well, this could be a whole different animal. And 
it took the A's two minor league starts to realize that, yes, this is a whole different animal. Um, I, I just want to note, too, that this is, I mean, there are circumstances around it, but this is one of the quicker jumps to the big leagues. Mason Miller has pitched 28 and two-thirds minor league innings. And you throw in the fall league and you're still not going to get to 50. Yeah, let's see here. No, I, I, I can just tell you, I've already done the work. So I'll yes. tell you, it's less than 50. And the thing that stands out, that is the risk here, right? I don't, when I say risk here about Mason Miller coming up, it is not that Mason Miller, like the stuff that Mason Miller showed in his start in AAA, there is no reason to keep him in AAA to see if he just keeps doing it. This is an A's team that is, uh, well, I shouldn't say going nowhere. I mean, you know, if you're an A's fan, you hope they're going nowhere because there's obviously a lot circling about Las Vegas and all that. But this is an A's team that is, that 60 wins seems like a uh, a daunting goal for this year. Uh, you know, 70 would be the impossible dream. And in Miller's case, there is some aspect where I do believe it's it's fair to say, okay, when a guy's got stuff like this, let him see what he can do in the majors that with this team, he might, he should be, he very well could be their best starter from his first start. Now, but the risk here is, is like he hasn't since college, he has not had the ability to show that he can hold up in a regular rotation and college rotations are, not the same as MLB rotations. You pitch once a week in college. So and the concern I have is can you stay healthy and maintain this stuff? And I should note here that I don't know off the top of my head how the A's do it. Some minor league rotations are not like big league rotations in that you pitch once a well, week. But I will say this with Miller. Miller has never been in the rotation long enough for no. that to matter. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing here is this, this isn't a guy who, like, there is a scenario where he is the Spencer Strider of 2023 from right. the standpoint of Spencer Strider was a guy who looked coming into I, I our general thought coming into 22 was Spencer Strider was had a great arm, but he was kind of a two pitch guy. Was that going to be enough to start? Probably a great reliever. And instead he showed that he could start and became a, dominant starter at, at times for the Braves, but he had very little track record before that. He had TJ, there was COVID, all that. Mason Miller has kind of that similar track record in that he, at Gardner-Webb, he really got uh, got on top of his diabetes, which allowed him to develop the strength. And he was kind of very much an up arrow guy coming out of college. But 22, the shoulder injury meant he barely got to pitch, pitched a little bit, you know, second half season, but never got to be in that, okay, I'm going to get the ball. And then six days later, I'm going to get the ball again. And can I work five? Again, not minor leaguers now don't work seven, eight, nine innings, but can I work five, six innings regularly? He's never gotten to that point. You never do that in the fall league, right, Josh? Like, I mean, the fall league. Uh, five, you get to five um, it, it, sometimes. I think the most I've seen is six. But here's the thing. With the Folly, he pitched 16 and two-thirds innings. His previous high for a minor league season is 14 innings. In 2022, right. he pitched 14 minor league innings. In 2021, right. he pitched six. This year, he's pitched eight and two-thirds. 
So <laughs> the full but, was the again like to to that five innings that he went. That was the first time he had gone five innings in a in an in an outing since college. In the fall league, he never worked more than three innings. He never faced more than twelve batters. He never threw more than fifty-one pitches. So, if there is a concern here, the concern is not can his stuff play at the major league level. Ooh, like we have, uh, we have breaking news here on yeah. the pod. Uh, but but uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But it is not whether he will do that. You know, the question is, can he do it? for five innings roughly and then repeat it again the next week and then the next week and next week. And will the stuff maintain and will he stay healthy? I, again, those are, those are pro, Those are questions he can't have answered now because of circumstance, <laughs> but those are questions that we will see as he heads to Oakland. So Josh, now you can talk, jump in with what's uh, what, what we just saw on our Slack. In our Slack, it says that uh, Brian Rocchio, the Guardians, or one of the Guardians' many, many, many middle infield prospects, has been uh, promoted to the big leagues. So congratulations to Rocchio, who has had a bit of an up-and-down career, but it's been a really solid, um, talented producer in the minor leagues for the last couple of years. Uh, and one of the, even despite being one of the younger players at every level, and he, I mean, I, I don't doubt the Guardians know what they're doing. Um, at this point, especially on the pitching side, the Guardians have a really good idea when it comes to player development. And uh, if they say he's ready, I believe it. What do you think, JJ? So this is, uh, this is kind of the, the good problem the Guardians have, but it is a problem in some ways is, okay, Rokio's coming up. How much opportunity is he going to get and how long does he have? Because the, the one problem, again, it's a good problem to have, but because the Guardians have so many upper-level prospects who are basically, and a lot of overlap in what they can do, we've kind of been on the, okay, Gabriel Arias, here you go. You get a try. Here's Tyler, you know, here's Tyler Freeman. Here, Nolan Jones, I'm sorry. We are, you are no longer on our, uh, uh, you know, you, your your opportunity is now gone. Um, you know, Will Brennan has come up and Will Brennan has claimed a job. Stephen Kwan has claimed a job. But there's there's a lot of this where I I do think that the, the crowded 40-man and the combination of crowded 40 man and a ton of good young players just does make this kind of difficult from the standpoint of like, is anyone going to get regular at bats in three months to figure it out? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know, but it's a good problem to have. And if you're going to have a stockpile anywhere, I would love it to be young up the middle players. Um, the, The second thing I would like is, uh, near ready starting pitchers and they've got a couple of <laughs> they have, I mean I, I was in the hot sheet chat yesterday I was like okay so when does Logan Allen come up or Tanner Bybee and or you know like it Gavin, it Williams. Gavin Williams it wasn't one starter who's a candidate it's three and that's there aren't many teams I, I struggle to come up with 
uh, the Dodgers maybe like there aren't many teams at all where you could say, yes, here are three legitimate big league ready ish starters sitting, you know, in double AA, a triple a ready to go. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, well, the Dodgers, the Dodgers always have a lot and somehow, somehow both always have a lot and more than we think. Um, yes. They're always going to have a guy ready to come up who, you know, I mean, uh, one of the guys who started to pop um, both analytically and uh, just eye test, uh, Nick Frasso. He's starting today uh, in uh, in Tulsa. He's another guy that looks like he's going to be added to their stockpile. I mean, River Ryan was a name that started popping last year, and he's Ronan Cop. Um, they've got some guys, and that's not even mentioning Gavin Stone because he's too, you know, famous already. They're never, well, not for the foreseeable future, going to have a problem with starting pitching depth. Emmett Sheehan also like I mean Sheehan it's it's a lot of guys in that system and then if you read my piece a couple weeks ago they got some dudes bubbling at the lower levels it's 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 exactly how you want a farm system to look period oh and and the Orioles in recent years have been pretty good with guys who are ready to come up you know uh, I don't think you count Grayson yeah no, although I would say they I don't think they have as many startering starting pitchers now no they don't yeah. I mean Grayson's up no, there. Grayson's up. I depends on what you want to call about DL Hall. Um, I think they're probably going to at some point give him a chance to start. Um, they've got some guys coming. Uh, Chase McDermott at uh, Bowie. I know he's been kind of used back and forth, but he's a guy. There's a guy who's starting to really make noise, and that's Trace Bright. Um, I think if you're not familiar with that name, get familiar. Now, they've got some guys. It's not quite the level of the other two organizations that we mentioned, but they're there too, and they've proved – that uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, that's to me kind of, those are, those are some, and those are some systems that, that are not shockingly very high in our organization talent rankings. That, that, that probably makes a whole lot of sense, mm-hmm. but we're, we're going to talk about a couple more prospects and, and, and bears travels around the, uh, to bear witness. Uh, but uh, we're going to do that right after a quick break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're back. So, Josh, you've been bouncing around uh, as you do. So, I, I guess I'll ask you the the very simple question, which is: So, uh, who's someone who stood out to you in your bouncing around and seeing, you know, one or multiple minor league games, depending on the day? Um, I saw. Well, let's see. Last week, I saw six something games. I think uh, most of which were. Salem at Carolina, and I started the week with um, Winston-Salem and Brooklyn, and we'll start with the Salems. Um, you know, I went in there really excited about seeing Miguel Blaze, the, the, the uh, center fielder for that team, but he got this, the show stolen from him by the sometimes center fielder, sometimes right fielder, uh, Roman Anthony. Um, this is a player I knew about in high school. It's rare. I'm not super plugged in on the draft usually, but he was here for uh, NHSI a couple of years ago with mm-hmm. Stoneman Douglas. And I know it was on my list of guys to, you know, when I'm at NHSI, my job is to go just film whoever Carlos wants me to film. And he was on my list. I'm sure somewhere I've got a swing of his. I remember that name. And that's like, all right. So I know who this is. And I know he's kind of, he's in the Red Sox top 10. But I wasn't, he wasn't, you know, high on my, an interesting guy. He's a lot more than interesting. Um, he doesn't swing and miss a lot. He's got tons of raw power. Like he was putting balls into some really special places um, at that ballpark during batting practice. Like if you've ever been to Zebulon, the way they do their radar gun readings is they've got a gigantic wall in uh, right center field. And then on top of that, there's another billboard uh, that has the display there. And he was, you know, punching, you know, putting it right in the middle of that thing. Like, to, to explain to you how high this is, last year, he, that, that, that uh, machine got struck by lightning. And the radar gun didn't work for the last couple of weeks of the season because they couldn't find anyone with a ladder tall enough to fix it. <laughs> uh, it was readily available. So that's how, how hard. And he hit a ball during the series. He turned on a pretty good fastball and put it you know, three quarters of the way up the wall in center field. Now, Zebulon, it's, it kind of depresses power because it's like most of the park is like green monster height. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a lot of windbreaking. Like there's a lot of windbreakers of walls. Well, that and the walls are just and buildings. don't count if you hit them that high. Like uh, Anthony hit a ball, you know, three quarters of the way up the center field wall that if the wall is not there, it probably goes 450, 460. Like it was a tank but at that park it's a double you know or a triple depending on how it bounces um you know he he has a a really mechanically sound swing short in the back long through the zone he has a sublime idea of what the strike zone is um you could see i like to say with edward julian it's the same way when i saw him you could see the synapses firing and you can see how quickly he registers spin or off speed or he, he rejects you know pitches that are going to be out of the zone it's instantaneous that he can tell you when spin is coming and he the, maybe the most impressive at bat he took of the series uh ended in a strikeout it was a, a pressure situation and whoever was pitching for carolina was not going to give him a fastball and he just kept spitting on close pitches and he 
if this if the umpire is better, he draws a walk. But he struck out looking on a ball that was probably you know, more suitable for a twenty-one inch plate. Um, but the fact that he didn't, you know, uh, panic or didn't come out of his approach, he was going to get a pitch to hit, and if he didn't, he was going to walk unless the umpire intervened. But it was really impressive to see someone who's eighteen years old um, take that kind of approach at this point in his career. So there's a lot of really good things working for Roman Anthony. Uh, Blaze had a little bit of a tougher series, and there are some swing mechanic issues that some scouts pointed out to me that um, may need to be fixed before he reaches this. There's tools, but there's some stuff that might keep him from reaching his full potential uh, as quickly as you might like. So those are the two, those are two guys that really jumped out to me um, in that particular series. And then, uh, you know, starting pitching standpoint, Jacob Mizierowski, they're kind of working him, the Brewers are kind of working him back in real slowly. He had a scheduled one-inning start. I mean, he had a small victory by getting uh, Roman Anthony to swing and miss. Um, that'll happen on a 98-mile-an-hour two-seamer. Um, when he's right, there's hardly better stuff in the minor leagues. Uh, but if it's not synced up, it's going to be, you know, 55 foot fastballs or 50 foot sliders or something like that. Um, and it's a big boy with a violent delivery. So there is a lot to kind of keep synced up there. And the Tidwell, um, and the, the day, the day for uh, the first day of the season for me, the blade Tidwell, Jonathan Cannon matchup, uh, didn't really disappoint. You know, Cannon had the look of a, a really good potentially mid-rotation starter with a, a body built to eat innings and stuff to do so as well. Uh, and Tidwell, I don't know if the delivery has a lot of recoil um, in it or some recoil in it, but he has four pitches and they're all legit. Like his fastball was up in the mid to uppers. His changeup was pretty good. His slider was, I mean, it was one of those where it spins tightly enough that you can basically see it put on a turn signal and then, uh, you know, cut in toward a, a left-hander. Um, and the the curveball of his was a completely different shape. It was a true, you know, top-down Snapdragon-type curveball that you know, I think one pitching coach a few years ago told me, you know, one of the ideas is to be able to make Xs in the strike zone. And he can certainly do that with his pitch mix. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm curious about the delivery long-term. But what he showed was really, really interesting. Hey. Let's talk about that for a second. That's I find that interesting. Make X's in the strike zone. It's another so, way of saying you'd be able to hit all four quadrants up, down, in, out. Right. And that's I like that thing. Make you make, make X's in the strike zone. It's kind of something I, if I'm really paying attention, I kind of think about it. Especially if I'm going back and cutting the video later. Like you can see, can he hit here, 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 and here? And you're gonna can you make that X in the strike zone, or is there a quadrant that's left untouched by your pitch mix? Which often I would say is is the the untouched is often can you I, I would say with younger pitchers you know in a in a ball especially a lot of times that some of them have trouble going you know they they don't feel comfortable locating in on players you know on hitters but I think a lot of it's is more glove side like can you actually locate that you may have the pitch mix to try to get there but glove side up and glove side down. Uh, can you locate it there? And there's it's a lot of fun. teams these days that are emphasizing one way or the other. Like, do you work east-west? Do you work north-south? Mm-hmm. Well, that's all great. That's all well and good. But if you can do both, well, you're going to have that many more ways to get a hitter out. Absolutely. 
Oh, that's fun. So, uh, night. Okay, I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, go ahead. Where, 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 where your travels take you next? I'll keep soliloquying. Um, the next two nights, I'm going to be at Greensboro in my continuing tour of seeing Red Sox prospects for some reason. Um, I'm going out to Greensboro. And tonight, I believe it is Grant Gambrell versus Anthony Solomedo, um, which is should be fun. And Marcelo Mayer's on that team. Nathan Hickey's on that team. On the other side, there's uh, Ch- Chang, the shortstop. Um, anybody else? Huge note, uh, position player-wise, on Greensboro. And tomorrow, I believe, if I have this counted right, is Wickelman Gonzalez for the Red Sox versus Bubba Chandler for the Pirates which should be a really fun matchup and certainly worth uh, the drive out there. I'm not super sure what I'm doing over the weekend. I mentioned in Slack this morning that there's a lot of good college stuff out here that I could go get video of. Um, but I've got a lot of options. Not as many options as I had last week when you know, every circus was in town. But Yeah, but we're also where, where it was pouring. Uh, no. What was that? that was two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, last week there was one rain day yeah. and I made the wrong choice. I had the choice of seeing uh, Luis Perales um, at Green at uh, Zebulon or going to Fayetteville and seeing a uh, piggyback of uh, a Limber Santa and Jose Fleury versus Harlan Susanna. Well, that game got played and the Luis Perales game did not. So I got a two hour uh, look at a tarp. I'll tell you what, that tarp is not making any top 30 prospects. Um, so that was last week. That's I've mentioned what I'm going to do today and the next day. Um, we're putting the finishing touches on our issue, and there I've got my story on Ethan Salas and a thing about why curveballs are kind of uh, being de- de-emphasized might be a strong word. There's fewer and fewer curveballs in the game, and more and more sliders. Uh, we've got some of my breakout prospects. Uh, there's uh, JJ's got his column. There's a bunch of good stuff as always in this upcoming. Uh, issue of BA that we are putting the commission touches on this week. And, and and a lot of those are also if you are interested in that Ethan Salas piece that Josh wrote, it is up also at baseballamerica.com. Uh you can check that out. And that is a uh uh yeah. It, it's a really cool piece on a pop up prospect's not right because no. Ethan Salas was a dude already, but a guy who's definitely raised his profile as much as a player who, as of today, has still not played an official pro game, That's can raise his profile. Either. That's not true. He has but, played an official pro game. He has played one, and it was in the Venezuelan Winter League. Okay, sorry. You're all right. And he was in the lineup with Jackson Churio. But when now, and that was the Venezuelan, that was not the parallel league down there? That was the... the official stat you could find on... Um, yeah, nicely done. Yeah. Sorry. He has not played a game in the States yet and or the DSL. Game in the States. Correct. And he will not play a game in the DSL. He's played, he played a game in the Venezuelan Winter League and in the Cactus League. He will not play the DSL, uh, but he will play an extended spring training. And if you want to hear a column about why extended spring training might be... Uh, You're giving all this away. They can discover this. Not, not reading it to them. Yeah. <laughs> Teasing, man. <laughs> Next week on Baseball America, you can... Yes. yes, that will. That is something that's coming. We're going to talk about extended spring. Yeah. 
but uh, but yes. So there's a lot there at Baseball America. As always, we thank you to our Baseball America subscribers because that's the only reason that we can do what we do. You all support us and allow us to do it. And if you are not a Baseball America subscriber, feel free to join. Uh, baseballamerica.com slash store. You know, and when you, if you and if you join, you get full access to everything we write at baseballamerica.com with the digital subscription. And there's also print subscriptions, or you can really help us out. You can really get a lot of content by getting the full bundle where you get both the print and the digital. But for Josh, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.